because I think what's happened in our society is that we have lost the ability to disagree productively. It's become this thing where if you if you're not with me, you're against me. It's my way or the highway. You know, you're canceled. I don't agree with you. You're canceled. Disagreement is fuel for innovation, and we've lost that. Hey everyone, it is Angie Wachowski. You are listening to the Bet on You podcast, and this season is so special. This is 2024. This is a year of transformation. I'm joined by a dear friend of mine, Stephanie Cox, who is the founder of Blue Sky Ambition. She's held many impressive corporate roles. And I'm just so excited to round off the perspective of change this year with someone as awesome as Stephanie. Stephanie, how's your day going? It's been a super day. Thanks for having me. And I love this series, Angie. I love the idea of change. And I think about change in my life too. And the guest that we have today is really amazing. And she's going to talk about communicating change in a positive way and helping us work through disagreement. I know if you're listening to this, sometimes the ideas that you have, you might get pushback that they're not good ideas, but they're still your ideas and you want to make them happen. And you might find some obstacles. I wonder, Stephanie, has that ever happened to you in your life of, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years here <laughs> that people have disagreed with you or not went along with you when you had a good idea or wanted to make change? Yes, yes. I think I would be not telling the truth if I said no. Um, there's lots of times in my career where I thought I had the most phenomenal idea, something that would be innovative or really good change, something to make a business better. And sometimes when you get caught up in your own idea, if you're not sharing it probably early enough or wide enough, you need to get buy-in. You can't just spring something on someone or on a group. So I think I've learned that you have to let things percolate or germinate before you can unveil something big and wider. Um, other things could be, you know, you have an idea on something, but someone else has a different point of view and you need that person to come along for the ride or it's not going to happen. So I've learned a lot about communication and listening and trying to see other people's perspectives. I like to think too that I surround myself on purpose with people with strong opinions because I love, you've, you've probably heard that phrase before, like if you're the smartest person in the room, get out of that room because you're probably not learning. And so there's countless days when I'm clearly the dumbest person in the room. And that's what I really love to be because I'm not going to be learning. And then being surrounded by smart, opinionated people, um, clash and disagreement can sometimes be big and ugly. What have you learned about yourself in those moments? Because I can think about myself, early career, big, ugly conflict. I might get a little quiet and I've matured since then. But what do you learn about yourself in those moments? What I'll say is, because I'm listening to you, I think there's two things. Sometimes I really want that opposing opinion and there's a space that you open saying, I want that candid feedback. Tell me what you think. But you have to, I think, be open most of the time to that. And in some cases where maybe someone didn't agree, you kind of you kind of get defensive. And your heart can start beating faster or you're thinking, okay, I thought this was going to go. Now how am I going to get this across the line? So there's... Um, it, it's very hard to not be reactive 
but usually you can be more successful if you are calm, if you listen, if you tell me more as part of the conversation. So you really have to kind of control the emotions because once emotions come into play, you're probably going to lose uh, a little bit of your edge and control and it's not going to be an easy situation. It's like a lifetime of learning, going to understand your emotions in there. Well, I'm so excited that a friend of yours is going to be visiting us today, Dr. Joanna Massey, and she is an expert in communication, had an impressive corporate experience in communication and PR before she went to get her PhD. And now she's TEDx speaker. She works on boards. She helps uh, facilitate disagreement. In fact, she talks about three steps in finding disagreement without being disagreeable. So I'm so excited to welcome Joanna to the stage. Hey, Joanna, we are so excited to have you on the Bet on You podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest. And before we jump into our hundreds of questions about your impressive background, I would love to hear just your story, how you got to this expertise in communication and culture. Well, it's <laughs> in the beginning. No, kidding. <laughs> Without making that too long, uh, I actually started out as uh, when I was five as an actor. Uh, in doing some modeling and stuff like that. I grew up in New York City, so there was a lot of things to do, uh, commercial, stage, you know, that kind of thing. And so that really started more of the communications and speaking to an audience type, you know, thought, even though I was only five when it happened. When I went to college, I moved, I left New York and I went to L.A., I did not want to be an actor anymore. I'm probably the only person who's ever moved to Los Angeles to get out of acting. So I went to USC and I started, I studied PR, right? Communications. And I ended up ironically and not intentionally back in Hollywood in a career in corporate communications and publicity. So for 30 years, I did corporate communications, brand reputation management, crisis comms, internal communications, external communications, the whole thing. And at one point in my career in 2007, right before the, you know, the global um, economic crisis of 08, I ended up out of work. And I went back because I was out of work for quite a long time, many years, like six years. I went back and got a PhD in psychology. And so that helped me with my understanding of neuroscience and human reactions, biological reactions, defense reactions, all this type of stuff. I had no intention of being a therapist or a psychologist. I took all that learning and I brought it back into business. And once once the recession was over, I went right back to corporate communications and working in media companies and, and running departments. And since then, I have left my, what we call my operating career, and I now serve on corporate boards. I'm chairman of the board of a fintech company, and I'm lead director of a technology manufacturing company. But my side gig, my side hustle, as the younger people say, is uh, that I like to do corporate speaking. I talk to corporations, and I and I talk at conferences and things like that, wherever I can, like whoever will put me, whoever will give me a platform, because I think what's happened in our society is that we have lost the ability to disagree productively. It's become this thing where if you, if you're not with me, you're against me. It's my way or the highway. You know, you're canceled. I don't agree with you. You're canceled. And it's disagreement 
is fuel for innovation. And we've lost that in the last many years. I think it's been a long time in the coming. I actually think it happened, started to happen back in the 90s with AI and Google and all, all the information that started to get filtered to us. So I talk about defense reactions, how to disagree productively, and I give a couple of steps, you know, ways that you can do that. So Joanna, you've been a lifelong learner and, you know, starting off with PR, having decades in executive communication roles at the C-suite, you went back to school, you have a PhD, you said, you have an MBA. Have you always been curious growing up and how does curiosity fuel communication? Well, I'll tell you a very funny story. Well, I don't know if you'll think it's funny. I think it's funny. When I was in grammar school, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, even in through high school, I was not a great student at all. And and I was a steady B at best C. And I was at a very challenging prep school and I had tutors. And my mother ran into one of my tutors later in life. And she's, you know, they were at some events in New York City together. And oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you? How's Joanna? Well, she's got an MBA and she's a doctor of psychology. And I'm not kidding you. The woman's face went like this. Well, okay. <laughs> so, I did not see that coming, did she? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's sort of funny because the way I started out, you would not know that I would end up with four graduate degrees and I'm actually heading into my fifth. Don't ask me. I know why, but it, it'll be my last one. Anyway, the but yeah, I, I think that it's. It's curiosity. It's a, a desire to learn. It's a desire to understand at a deeper level what's going on. And I think that drives this this platform that I I love so much about. You know, let's learn how to disagree productively again. Disagree without being disagreeable, because it's really that whole platform is about how people tick, how people think, how they react, and how we can interact with each other that doesn't cause that like fight flight. You know that. I'm gonna, oh, it's my way, or that sort of freeze response where you're like, uh, okay, or the flee, where it's like, okay, I'm out, you know. That's me. I'm the fleer, definitely in a relationship. Stephanie, are you a fighter or a flighter or what? What is your reaction? It depends on the situation, honestly. Uh, I would tend not to flee, actually. I probably would just, how do you control yourself so that you can get what you want? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, how do you get what you want when you are disagreeing? So I developed this three-step process. I believe that human beings remember things in threes. And if you read books about how to influence people and how to get along and how to make people like you, it's like, try this 12-step process or here's an acronym of influence, I-N-F, you know, get it. It's too challenging to remember three things, right? The number one thing, which I think is the most important, is to be respectful to the person, right? We all want to be, we want to feel like we were heard. And by that, it's not just I hear the words you're saying. I mean, we want to feel understood at a very deep level. We want to be accepted because that is a biological thing. In order for human beings to to survive, we need each other. We have to be in the tribe, right? So we have to be accepted. And so when we're not accepted, it becomes very threatening at a primal level and our reactivity happens. So you want to, number one, is respect somebody and say, I hear, I understand that. I, I get why you think that. Or I, or you know, or I, you have every right to believe that, you know? And then the second thing is to be curious. So I just said, I understand. I get why you think that. But if you don't know, say, help me understand that. I'd love to know more about that. How'd you come to that? 
You know, let me uh, to understand why somebody thinks the way they do. And then the third, and by the way, that second one, that curious one, that's the most challenging one because as human beings, and especially it might be cultural, it could also be an American thing. It's you say your opinion and I say mine immediately. Well, I think blah, blah, blah. It's just the way we we're, we're, we're cultured, we're called, you know, we're, we're indoctrinated that way. So um, the curious step is, is actually simple, but not easy. <laughs> and then the third thing is to share your personal experience. Well, let me tell you what I think and why, so that you are explaining yourself. And um, there's actually a really good example of this that happened during the pandemic. And there's a uh, Chris Christie, Republican governor, you know, New Jersey, and he was on a podcast and it was a podcast that was trying to convince these anti-vaxxers that the vaccine was safe. And they tried scientists and they tried, um, you know, experts and they threw data at them and, and stats and science at them. And these people were like, no, 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 you know, no vaccine. Chris Christie, I think, was the last guest to come on. And what he, he did three things. First of all, he had listened the whole time. So he'd already heard, right? their rationale. So he didn't, you know, he already understood. So he didn't have to do the curious part of it. So what he did was he said to them, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about that stuff. All I know is that my aunt got this thing and she got COVID and she died. My uncle got it and he died. I got it and I've never been sicker in my life. And my friend Hope Hicks got it and she's never been sicker. So I got vaccinated. Now, you don't have to. That's your right as Americans. No one can tell you what to put in your body. But I did it because I don't want to die. And a couple of them walked out and said, Anna, that actually makes sense. I might do that. Right. So what happened there was the respect and the understanding. They felt heard. They felt respected for their opinion and, and validated. And then he had already understood where they were coming from. So the third step was just to explain why he had gotten vaccinated. You know, this is why I did it. I like that validation. It goes back to being respected. I like that. I imagine too, as I'm listening to you, Joanna, when you share your experience, you're actually giving somebody not just a glimpse into your life, but the opportunity to be empathetic towards you, which I think is grossly just undervalued in our society. Just that word empathy. We think about you know emotional intelligence in the workplace and you hear people hear that word and they have this negative response to Ugh, empathy. Why do you know it sounds so soft, but it's really to me sometimes it's that gateway to connection. And I, I wonder, and so my question too, because this is what Stephanie and I are calling 2024, the year of transformation, that people want to embed and yes, I know, right? Big change. People want to make change in their life. Maybe not revolutionary change, but evolutionary change can, whether it's they're leading a team and they want to bring them to brighter horizons, or maybe they're leading their family or they're leading their health, or they're trying to get that side hustle. Can you talk a little bit about empathy and how to use that as a skill set to move people along a change continuum? I think you bring up a really good point because at a certain point, empathy became a bad word, right? It became a negative. It's, it's weak. And, and in business, we think of ourselves as wanting to be strong. And then in society, it became this, it's, it's always been, but it's really become this need to be strong, right? Survival of the fittest. It's very Machiavellian in a way. Um, and, and social media has also proliferated that strength because the people with the loudest voice, with the most demanding voice are the ones who get the attention, right? And so we're literally now... Um, and for many, many years at this point, we have been rewarding people who are um, 
belligerent, bombastic, I'm using some negative words here, loud, opinionated, you know, strong, strength, right? That's what we see as leadership. Um, whereas empathy is really where the ability to move forward and to innovate and to change comes from. You can't, when you do an MBA um, or a law degree, you learn negotiation. And one of the things that they teach in negotiation is you have to understand the other person's perspective in order to influence them. If you don't understand where they're coming from, you can't influence a different outcome. And so it's that is part of being empathetic, is understanding, okay, I know what their position is. I know why they've got that position. And, and, the, and the empathy part comes in where if you can relate to that, the, their stand and why they have it. Uh, that's gonna what that's what's going to help you you as a negotiator or as a person having a conversation be able to really influence or at least be heard. I would imagine you would need those skills in a boardroom environment. Uh, boardroom boards meet only a few times a year. High stakes conversations, uh, being able to agree on different things and disagree. How would you say these skill sets have helped you and considering empathy? Because empathy in the boardroom can actually be quite powerful. I think I, I would say that they've helped tremendously. Um, I have some boards that I'm on that are very calm, work very well together. I like to say like a symphony. Uh, and then I have an, an other boards that have been highly contentious. And um, you know, I think that... <laughs> If those board colleagues were listening to me speak, they'd be like, yeah, well, Joanna doesn't always do that, you know, <laughs> because I'm a human being just like everybody else and we have reactivity. And sometimes I get, you know, I hate the word triggered because it's really overused these days, but sometimes you get triggered when you're in a meeting and I have all kinds of tools to try to like calm myself down and not be reactive, not have that fight come out. Um, so anyhow, but I, it is very helpful to be able to... If you think about it, when we're in the boardroom or anywhere, you know, you could be in the boardroom, you could be in the classroom, you could be at your kitchen table, you you know, whenever wherever you are, that you're listening to someone present their point of view. You have a very strong perspective and point of view. And I want my way. I want it to be this way. I think the company should do this. You know, this is what we have to do to survive or to grow. It can become very strong in us as human beings. That's completely biological. But the ability to have empathy like we've been talking about and to then, you know, say, oh, I get why that person thinks that or I get where they're coming from. Or for me, it's often because of the psychology background, I know a lot of times anger comes, well, anger always comes from fear. So I'm often able to say, what are they afraid of? And if I can think, if I can figure it out, if I can find the fear, or I can even sometimes ask, what's your, what do you, I don't ask, what are you afraid of? Because people react to, I'm not afraid of anything, you know, but I will ask, what's your concern? What are you worried about? What do you, what, you know, take, give me the doomsday scenario. What's going on here? You know, help walk me through it with you, right? That's that curiosity, that understanding that that I was talking about so that I can then say, okay, I see why you, I, I understand why you think that way. Here's some experience I've had in business that's opposite. And here's why I think it will work differently than what you're thinking, you know, and, and, and then I give specific examples. So it's really that, that whole three-step process again, right? It's the understanding, it's the questioning, the understanding, the respect, and, and then explaining, I have experience that says, otherwise, let me tell you about it. 
and why I think we can do this or we shouldn't do this, whatever the case is. You said something really powerful. I want to go a little bit deeper there, just thinking about our audience too, as they think of enacting change in their life, is that when you get a strong opinion, it takes a powerful moment of presence to say, to think to yourself, what are they afraid of? You know, because normally we go into, again, fight, fight, freeze, maybe fix. But I know a lot of people right now are thinking about maybe their partnership relationship or with their spouse, that they want to either change their career or they want to take a down step or they want to make a change that's going to disrupt the harmony that's been created. And maybe they don't have a supportive partner or maybe their partner has just been really difficult with helping them cooperate or collaborate on their vision for themselves. And, and that and that having that moment of what are they afraid of? But I'd love some practical guidance from you. So say that I am in a relationship and I don't have the support of my partner. How do we do that? Because my vision and my values are important and I don't have support. How do we move through that effectively? That's a really good question. And I I think that it it's the number one thing in my mind is that you as the person having the conversation with the other person has to stay calm. Right, you have to stay out of what what's called it's popularly known as an amygdala hijack. An amygdala hijack comes from this old part of the brain. I point because it's back here. This old part of the brain that, when we get stressed, when we get reactive, its job is to jump into to gear. Right, its job is like, okay, I'm in charge. The whole front part of the brain, which is where executive functioning happens, shuts down. It's like a computer that goes offline because the amygdala's job is survival. And when we get stressed. It used to be in the old days, it was a tiger behind a tree, right? And the amygdala hopped into, into, into work and, and you ran without even realizing why you were running. Today, it can be as simple as I'm late for a meeting with my boss. I mean, that literally can trigger an amygdala hijack in, in a lot of people, you know, or I listened to the news on the way to work this morning and that was stressful. So my point being is if to be able to keep yourself out of that hijack place, because that's where the fight, flight or freeze comes from. And this executive functioning. That's rational decision making. That's you know rationalizing. It's you know conscious decision making. That area shuts down. You literally don't have access to it. So any decision you made to be calm, to not react, to not do whatever, if you're in an amygdala hijack, it's game over. You have no control over that. So the whole point is to try not to get triggered to that level, so that you can have that calm conversation, even if your partner can't. So. Um, but so there's two things to that. One is I got, I had to get very good at witnessing my own reactions. I have a, we all do. We all have a physical reaction when we're about to get into an amygdala hijack. And for me, it's heart starts to race. Mouth gets a little dry. Skin starts, like hair stands up on my, like I can feel it happening and I have to, and I can do this in a meeting. You don't even know it's happening. Take a deep breath right? I do some four square breathing, four on the inhale, four hold, four on the exhale, four hold. So it's it's a box, right? It's a inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Um, you know, I, I can, I hold my hands like this, right? Under, and you can't see that I'm doing it. You know, I just, I have a, a little thing I say to myself, like, hey, amygdala, stand down. I don't need you on this one. I got it. Like, it's cool. It's not that, it's not a tiger. Don't worry about it. Like, you say something funny like that, it distracts me from what's going on, right? And it kind of brings me back online. So all those things I can do without anyone knowing I'm doing it. And then to your question of, so the you really have to keep yourself calm, 
in those conversations, if your partner, especially if your partner is going to be reactive. But the second thing is to help your partner not get reactive. It's to be understanding, right? Like, tell me what you're worried about with this change, because this is really important to me. This is exciting to me. I want this. I think it'll be good for us. Like, tell me what you're worried about. Let's, let's try to unpack that. It's a nice way to ask rather than tell, saying you're this, you're that. Tell me about what you're thinking. Tell me how you're feeling. Yeah. And notice, I mean, I'm I'm divorced, so perhaps I didn't do this very well, but it is so easy in relationship, whether it's a parent, a child, a, a partner, or a, a coworker, to get immediately into that. You're just feeling like blah, 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 right? Because <laughs> you know so well. You don't want to label because then that, that's the other amygdala person going. Oh, yeah. Those are fighting words, right? Telling people what they think and feel. Those are definitely fighting. And then um, I'm going to have a follow-up question to Joanna, because I think sometimes too, so imagine I'm managing a team or leading a group of volunteers. Um, people disagree, but they don't tell you. And they go along to get along, but maybe they're silently trying to sabotage underneath, but they're not really committed. How, what are some of the signs when people are going along to get along, but don't really agree or they disagree? What, would we, what should we be looking for? That's really challenging. And that requires almost a mind reader. And, um, I, you know, it, it can be hard to suss out. I'll be honest. I've had that happen before. I've had you know, um, employees who didn't like me, who didn't like, you know, didn't agree with me, who were sort of backstabbing me or doing things behind my back um, that I later found out about, you know, it's, it happens. It's, it's human nature. Um, I think that, um, I think part of it is to trust your instinct in, in some of those cases. In, in, I can think of two cases in my career where I had employees that were problematic in the relationship with me. And in one case, I knew, I just knew something was going on. And I was pretty, I was very senior, but I was young. I was like 32 years old, but I was very senior at a young age. And um, I didn't trust that instinct. And so I didn't maneuver it well. I didn't know how to maneuver it. The second time it happened, I had this PhD in psychology. I knew it was happening. Um, I, I took certain steps to try, but if somebody is doing that, like if that's about them, Right. So part of it is, and what I tell, tell myself and I tell other people, women I mentor, I mentor a lot of women in business. I, you know, I always tell them, you know, what people think of you is none of your business because you can't control it. Nothing is personal. And I know that's that nothing is personal is really, really hard for us to understand. But if you look at it this way, without going into some huge psychological explanation here, when we start getting programmed when we're in the womb and our programming creates what I colloquially refer to as the book of life according to me. And the book of life according to me is a rule book that lives in our mind and it's based on every experience we've ever had. And everybody's book of life is different. And so if someone is going to be, if I'm going to be a micromanager, for example, which I was when I was younger and then I stopped, <laughs> but if I'm going to be a micromanager, I'm not just micromanaging you. I'm going to micromanage you, whoever it is. That's me. That's about me. That's about my fear. That's about my need to control. That's not about your ability as an employee, right? And if I have, um, if my reactivity is to go to fight, to go to anger, right? And so I don't have children, but let's say I had children. If I had a tendency to fly off the handle, that's actually not about the kid. I would do that with any child, 
right? That's my reactivity. That's my fear. That's my rea- that's my way of managing. So I often tell people to remember, you know, we deal with whatever comes our way in business because that's what we do. Problem solution, problem solution. We do that all day long. Um, but to not to not take things personally. It's good advice. Really good advice. I think a lot of the the points and tips you've shared have been so helpful for people. How do you make change? Part of being able to make change is being curious, being able to be respectful and learning of others. And then that allows for other transformations, both personally and professionally. What's next for you, Joanna? What are you working on now? I am still doing so more board work. It's it's everything I do. I love board work. Board work is sort of the, not sort of, it is, take, it has taken everything that I did in my career, all the stuff I loved and put it into this role as board director, corporate director. And it got rid of all the stuff I didn't like to do, which was amazing. You know, it's a bit amazing to get here and be like, this is great. Um, so I absolutely love doing board work and I love ha- helping guide companies and navigate all the change that's happening and navigate the challenges we have with growing these days, whether it's in the financial markets or your product or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And I continue to do the speaking. I'm really trying to expand that platform to get the word out about how to disagree productively. Um, or positively, whichever way you want to look at it, however you need it. So I've really been focused on on that type of thing. And I have two books that I've written. I might write a third book at some point, you know, how to disagree productively. We'll see. Well, that, that's a lot of work. The books were a lot of work. So I'm not sure I'm ready for that again. Well, that'll be a bestseller for people. Seriously, I think that your work is so critically important in this day and age. So I just applaud you for your initiative and your efforts to talk about this, to talk about disagreement in a healthy, productive way. So thank you. And if our listeners want to find more about the work that you're doing, Joanna, how can they get in touch with you? Actually, I have a website. Who knew I would ever have? I mean, 30 years in corporate America, and I'm like, I have my own website now, uh, drjoannamassey.com. And so it's pretty simple. You can go there and there's a way to get in touch you know, with, with me and my team and, and uh, to, uh, to find out more. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Bet On You and congratulations on your success and your continued success. Thank you. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that a great session with Joanna? I enjoyed it so much. She's amazing. And I felt like I was in a masterclass for communication and I took pages of notes and I'm going to use some of these tips. These are fantastic. Like her curiosity, always be learning. That's one of the joys of doing this podcast is I learned a ton and some science I can help. I did too. I did too. Um, I really liked her three points. How can you disagree productively without being disagreeable? And, you know, first and foremost is show respect for one another when you're learning from one another, be curious, and to be able to share your personal experience. And she had nice ways of how to communicate that, that I think would be very helpful to the listeners. I think again, about thinking about that most difficult person in your world and trying to have a breakthrough with them. Again, you don't agree, you don't agree with them, but at least find some space for disagreement and respect. Um, I thought that was awesome. I loved the idea that everybody has a book of life that they've been writing since the womb. And I think that's a really important reminder that you can't write other people's books of life. It's They're writing it. They're the author. 
And you can't control that. You can influence perhaps your perspective on a situation, but if you can just respect that, man, this person has spent X amount of years coming to this conclusion. Do I think that facts, do I think that research, do I think that screaming in their face is going to change their mind? No. But I love the idea that if I can have you get some empathy for my story, if I can share my personal experiences, you may come around or you may not. And that's okay. And to be comfortable with that. Because in the end, everyone wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for being here today. And for those of you who are listening, please check out other episodes of Bet On You. And if you want to connect with Stephanie, go to blueskyambition.com. And as for me, Angie Connect. And we cannot wait to see you in our next Bet On You podcast. Have a great day, everyone. 